Rowan trees have long been associated with witchcraft and magic. Its wood acted as an antidote against fairies, the evil eye, and even disease. And the tree even bore the name of the wayfarer's tree, since it stopped people from getting lost on a journey. But exactly what else can you use the rowan for? Let's find out in this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well hello there and welcome back to this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. We are now into November and I just can't work out where this year has gone, but there we go. And we are switching gears a little bit from the things that were all weird and spooky in October because it was Halloween, so it did seem like a good idea. And we're now looking at tree folklore in November. Now this was a request a little while ago to have a look at trees. And I decided that rather than just looking at any old tree, we would look at trees that have links with witchcraft and or fairies. So all of these trees that we're going to be looking at have some kind of strange or weird connotations to them. So we're starting off with the rowan. Next week we'll be looking at the yew tree and then we'll finish off with the elder and the hawthorn. So hopefully you'll enjoy all of those episodes. And I should point out before I get started as well that the Name the Plague Doctor competition, the Plague Doctor being the new Fabulous Folklore mascot, is still underway. And I'm going to announce the winner next week in the U-Tree episode. So if you would like to vote on which name I'm going to choose and like basically help me because I can't decide between the choices that I've got, then please do feel free to vote below. And then the winner will not only name the Plague Doctor, they will also win a paperback signed copy of my short story collection, Black Dog and other gothic tales. Obviously, if you were listening last week, you will have heard one of the stories in Black Dog, which is the dead house, which I posted as like a Halloween treat. And if you've been a long-term listener, you'll also have heard Midnight Screams in Holborn way back at Christmas, which seems like it was forever ago. So yeah, so they're like the updates for what's going on at the minute, really. So now we are going to jump into this week's episode, because why not? So as I said in the opening of the episode, rowan trees have long been associated with witchcraft and magic and its wood acts as an antidote against all kinds of things including fairies, the evil eye, witches and disease and it did bear the name the wayfarer's tree because it stopped people from getting lost on a journey. Now Patricia Monaghan notes that the tree is often found near ancient monuments, stone circles and graveyards which could in some ways go to help to explain its otherworldly and mystical connections. Incidentally, according to folklore, you could even uncover witches using Rowan's unripe berries. So you would just simply wave a branch with the berries on over a suspect and they would instantly confess, which I can't help thinking is a much nicer way of doing it than some of the awful, awful torture that poor women, that poor victims went through during the witch trials. Now, if a man who'd been baptised actually touched a witch with a Rowan branch, it then meant that the next time the devil was out and about looking for a victim, he would carry her away. So let's have a look at where it comes from and where some of this folklore, because there is quite a lot. And we are going to start with Rowan and the gods, because in Greek mythology, Hebe, the goddess of youth, passed ambrosia to the gods using her magical chalice. 
when she did lose the cup to demons, the gods actually sent an eagle to retrieve the cup because obviously they needed it for the ambrosia and a fight ensued. And the feathers and drops of blood turned into a rowan tree where they fell to earth. The tree also appears in Norse mythology and in this particular worldview, the gods made the first man from the ash tree and they made the first woman from the rowan tree. And the tree has a further link with Thor, which is quite cool because Thor needed to cross the fast-flowing river Vimur. Climbing out on the opposite bank was a lot more difficult than he thought it was going to be, and a rowan tree bent down from the bank to lend a branch, and then Thor was able to haul himself free. And as a result, rowan became the prescribed wood to create rune staves. Now, in Welsh mythology, the Battle of the Tree spoke of an ongoing feud between rowan and juniper, and any tree that was actually planted between these two sworn enemies would then be split in two. And many scholars do indeed make a link between the tree and druidry, and John Lightfoot in 1777 didn't like to draw any specific conclusions, but he did note the frequency of the trees near stone circles in his Flora Scotia. Now, there is obviously no real way to know if that's a coincidence, and it likely might be, but given the protective powers of the rowan, it also wouldn't be surprising if it were deliberate. And if a rowan could protect its own circle, imagine what it could do for people. Which leads us nicely into our little segue into the next section, which is protecting people against witchcraft. And parts of the tree became really useful talismans against evil. And many people kept equal arm crosses made from rowan twigs and red thread in their pockets. And I actually found an example of these in the National Museum of Scotland in Edinburgh, which you can find on my blog. But if you haven't seen the picture yet, it's basically, if you can imagine, two twigs of rowan the same length as an equal armed cross. And then the red thread kind of binds them together around the middle to form this cross. In Cumberland, rowan branches were prepared for use by carrying them around the Beltane fires. And Welsh communities might plant rowan trees in churchyards to protect against demons. As I said in the, earlier on, men who'd been christened could touch witches with a rowan sprig and it would then mark her as one to be carried off by the devil. And also carrying a sprig of rowan in your pocket allegedly protected against rheumatism. If you found a person dancing in a fairy ring, what you would do is you would reach a rowan branch in for them and then they'd be able to grab the branch and you could pull them free. And this comes from some of the folklore around the idea that if you enter a fairy ring, you basically just keep dancing until you drop dead, essentially. So the only way to break this particular enchantment is by reaching across the circle with the rowan branch, which both keeps you safe, but also helps pull the other person to safety as well. People did fear being hag-ridden, something that we pretty much now recognise as sleep paralysis, but people would believe that they'd be safe from this particular phenomenon if they kept a branch of rowan in bed, which would make sense because obviously fairies and the like and demons and what have you wouldn't be able to come near them with the rowan around. And in Ireland, people believe that the berries could even cure the wounded. But I should point out that because Rowan is actually a member of the Rose family, the raw berries do contain harmful parasorbic acid. So please don't try that one at home. Now, when should you harvest the wood? Because a lot of this does rely on the wood being useful for things. And for many, the correct time to collect Rowan was actually midnight on Holyrood Day, which is September the 14th. And on this day in 335 AD, the Empress Helena allegedly discovered the cross from Christ's crucifixion. Though elsewhere, St Helen's Day, which is 21st of May, was the correct time to collect Rowan. And also what you should do is use a household knife to cut away any twigs. And then when you brought them home, you would follow a different route than the one that you took to reach the tree. I can't remember why that is, but it's very specific instructions. So I kind of feel like if you do want to do that, probably follow them. There's probably a reason for it. Now, one of the reasons why people like to use 
the wood so often is because it was a way to protect the home against witchcraft. And entrances into the home were particularly susceptible to witches. So how would you stop them from getting inside? Now, you could plant holly beneath the windows. That certainly wouldn't hurt. Well, it would if you fell in it, I guess. But it wouldn't hurt you. And you could also use rowan because it's known as a portal tree. So because it forms a threshold between our world and the other world, it means that people could use the tree at the gate to their property or outside their door for protection. And according to Niall McCoytia, Scottish migrants actually took the custom of planting rowan trees at the door to New Zealand. Now, obviously, there is one thing that we've forgotten if you've got the doors and the windows. How about the chimney? Because chimneys were well known to be the weakest point of the house in terms of illicit entry, which does rather cast Santa Claus in a slightly different light. But honestly, no problem, because in North Yorkshire, builders used the wood for the side supports for a farmhouse fireplace, and these were known as witch posts and would often have carvings and crosses made into the wood to make them doubly effective. And in Scotland, builders used the wood for the chimney crossbeams instead, but it basically performed the same function. Alternatively, bringing a branch of rowan into the house on Good Friday would prevent any witches from entering. And if you are interested in these kind of cool ways of protecting the home using folklore, I mean, naturally, obviously use a burglar alarm, but still, if you're interested in this protective aspect of folklore, then I've got an entire guide to five ways to protect your home using these snippets of folklore, which you can get from the link in the show notes below. As I say, please don't rely on them solely. Obviously, please do take normal precautions against people entering your home. But if you're interested in the folklore side of it, I put them into a guide for you. Obviously, people weren't just interested in protecting themselves and their homes. They also wanted to protect their livestock from witchcraft because there were obviously concerns about witches gaining access to livestock. So farmers would hang sprigs of rowan in the rafters of cowsheds. And in some places, they would actually plait the sprigs and then wrap them round the horns of the cows. And this would basically mean that witches couldn't go anywhere near them to steal their milk, because that's essentially what they would be using them for. Susan Drury describes the use of a rowan twig loop to protect the animals. So what they would do is they would make these like huge loops out of rowan branches, hold them closed with red thread, and the cows would then be milked through those. Like the first time you milked them after they'd had a calf, you would put them through one of these rowan loops and then milk them to protect them again. As late as 1846, farmers were fitting collars of rowan sprigs to their lambs in Yorkshire, and farmers also hung rowan garlands around the necks of pigs to help ward off evil magic. So it's in a way, it's quite a simple way of buying yourself some peace of mind that your animals are going to be safe. In Westphalia and County Wexford, farmers even lightly whipped their cows with rowan switches before they sent them to pasture on May Day, and this was to keep both fairies and witches from interfering with the cows. Also, if you have a bewitched horse, only a rowan stick will bring it under control because, again, the rowan will break the enchantment from the fairies or witches, whichever one it is. Farmers might also feed mares and cows rowan berries to help them with a safe and easy birth. And Susan Drury thinks that may have also ensured the safety of the mother and baby from witchcraft. Now, obviously, we've gone through the protective elements in terms of people, livestock and houses. But you do also find rowan being used for other things as well. The wood did appear in the construction of watermills and seed beds could be spiked with the wood to keep witches away from the plants. So it's quite interesting that basically anywhere people could use rowan that they wanted to essentially keep witches and fairies away, then they would use the wood. 
Some people would plant rowan trees in churchyards to deter evil spirits and pallbearers might rest coffins under rowan trees on the way to the graveyard. And even boats carried the wood on board because sailors believed that such vessels wouldn't capsize and no man would drown. And in the story of the Laidly Worm that we did a few weeks ago with the dragon folklore, Child Wind's ship is made of rowan wood and that's the reason why his evil stepmother can't sink his ship. Danish sailors actually went one step further. They used the wood to protect themselves from storms raised by Ran, the wife of the ocean god. So again, it's just fascinating how much the wood from this one tree is so multi-purpose, but essentially, at the end of the day, you're using it for its protective nature. And it also wasn't just the wood that people were using, because the rowan leaves could apparently be used in a salve that would help soothe sore eyes. Now, obviously, as with the folklore of any plant or tree, it's quite difficult to know how accurate or useful the information is. And in a lot of ways, you would need to believe in the negative side of witchcraft for you to feel that you needed rowan as protection. It is also quite interesting, and this this fascinates me every time I come across it, that people are essentially conducting their own little rituals and using these particular types of wood and so on to protect themselves against witchcraft, when really what they're doing is essentially for witchcraft in and of itself, but that's a side issue. A lot of these old tales are quite diverting and they do tell us a lot about the way that our ancestors did live their lives. But they also tell us that they felt that they need protection from forces beyond their control. And obviously nowadays we can look back at them and think, oh, how silly, how how uncivilised have people ever believed that? But they didn't have Google, they didn't have information on tap, they had fewer resources at their command so they could only go off what they could see and hear and basically believe was going on and to be honest with you if planting a tree beside your door made you feel safer then really who are we to judge i'm quite fond of rowan trees i do think that they're quite nice and they are quite useful around where i live as well often because they do provide berries for the birds to eat so they do provide like a food source which is cool so there we go so that's the rowan tree i hope you enjoyed that rowan trees are actually i think in the uk quite plentiful they're quite easy to find i don't know that people necessarily use them for the same reason i think they're more for their decorative function and the fact that they're quite easy to grow so there is always that but next week we are doing the yew tree which i won't lie is my favorite tree they are fantastic and i i I, I never really knew much about them until obviously i did a lot of research into them for the blog and i've got a newfound sort of respect for them they are very cool and their magical association is generally via the druids and the dead so that's going to be exciting as well so I hope you enjoyed this week's episode on the Rowan Tree. Please do remember to vote in the Name a Plague Doctor competition and the link is below. If you do want to see any of the images or anything, the link to the blog post is below. And as ever, if you really enjoy this content and you want to help me make it for even longer, then please do consider becoming a member of the Fabulous Folklore family on Patreon. Obviously different amounts will get you different stuff, but you can have a look at that again at the link below. Otherwise, thank you very much for your attention and listening to this week's episode and I'll see you next week when we have a look at the yew tree. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. 
if you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!